All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I hate to break the fishing news after Ram Chuck, but I'd like to speak about the ice hockey. Congratulations, you're one of the 13 listeners of the Real Life Podcast. We just traded a migraine in for like an orgasm. Might want to mark that down. Yep. All of my projects are on schedule until they're not. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. About as funny as we're going to get today. Welcome in episode 190 of the Real Life Podcast. Everyone coming at you from the comforts of their own home, except for Jay, who is in the comforts of the Little Brick Cafe. As always, our podcast is brought to you by the fine folks at Jappa Machinery. Jappa has a ton on the go right now, and they are there to help you with whatever sort of big machinery needs you have, whether you're buying, renting, or looking to uh, get something fixed up. Jappa is there to lend a helping hand. Shout out to Jappa. We love them very much. Guys, thanks for joining me again for the Monday edition of the podcast. Um, I must admit that Chalmers not being here is a little disappointing because I had a plan to start the podcast by going, Chalmers, as a dad, how was your Father's Day? But now I can't do that. So very disappointing that Chalmers decided not to show up. But guys, anyone do anything uh, special on the weekend? Uh, I, uh, I went golfing on Friday with Chalmers and we, uh, kind of briefly popped in the nation happy hour. Uh, so that was fun. And then kind of outside of that, just, uh, chilled, did some yard stuff and enjoyed this beautiful weather. I got to, uh, get roasted by my dad for, you know, six hours yesterday because it was father's day and that's what he does. You know, he likes, he's a ball buster. Yeah. And he, uh, you know, on Father's Day, he's got a free pass to do whatever the fuck he wants. So he just kind of took shots at me, my sister and brother all day, had good laugh about it. And uh, it was a good day. Nice little barbecue, sat outside, a couple of nation beers, fantastic Sunday. I watched nice. a shitload of Unsolved Mysteries on YouTube from the mid-90s. If there's a scarier man alive than Robert Stack in those shows, I'd There's never- not. There's not. And... It was very entertaining to me because when you watch Unsolved Mysteries now with your 2020 brain, you realize the quality of the acting and shit is so hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, join me, Robert Stack, as I follow you into little Jimmy playing down by the dam. And the dam upstream is breaking and Jimmy doesn't know. And you're watching this shit, you're like, oh my God. And then you have to wonder, like, what percentage of this shit was ever solved? No, a lot of this. He's pretty fucking dubious they were going to catch anybody. Like, if you've ever seen a person 14 years ago in this park, call us. Like, that's our last hope. But that, uh, that show had a hell of a run. Oh, of course. It looked, scared the shit out of me as a kid. 
the theme song of that show terrifies me to this day. Well, that's what everything I was, was scary the, about it. The music on that show is terrifying. Robert Stack's delivery and his cadence and the way he just dead eye stared into the camera as he was talking about these horrific crimes was horrible. And it made me think could. about like this era of television where we watched. I don't know if you guys ever used to watch Rescue Nine One One. Remember that show? Mm-hmm. And that scared the shit out of you too, because that was also Timmy playing down by the dam before it broke. There's a lot of when I was little and watched Unsolved Mysteries, I assumed at some point in my life I would have to do like a big sleuthing and solve a crime of my own. It was preparing you. Yeah, so I'd watch it to be like, how do you catch a murderer exactly? Well, now, I, I hope they did, like, I mean, obviously, I fell off the Unsolved Mysteries train back in the early 2000s. I, did you know that it was on until 2002? I had no idea. That's what it I did not. The after. ones I was watching were, like, mega old, and they showed a call center with people answering phones left and right. Like, I wonder if that was real or actors or... Well, and I hope they did some kind of, I'm going to try and look around while we're talking about it, but I hope they did some kind of update on how many of those Unsolved Mysteries had some kind of conclusion. Well, they uh, kept making reference to like updates from old episodes, being like, "Do you remember this person? They're in jail." <laughs> uh, let me bring you to. We did article. it again. <laughs> Here's an article from CBS in Tennessee titled "Netflix Rebooting Popular True Classic Show Unsolved Mysteries." Oh my God, Robert oh, Stack, boy. I assume, is no longer on this side of the dirt. Well, it looks like in 2017. Uh, Unsolved Mysteries YouTube page still allows people to submit their mysteries. If ex- if accepted, Unsolved Mysteries will post a video describing the mystery and ask for user feedback. One thing I thought uh-huh. about, it's strange that, have you ever seen social media being used to solve a mystery? Uh, only during ma- the Making a Murderer period yeah. from, uh, what was that, like 2000. 13 or whatever, whatever that you show came out. That there'd be like an unsolved mysteries Instagram account at this point. They were like, did you see this man walking in a park 14 years ago? Click here. Uh, sadly, Robert Stack did pass away May 14th, 2003. Well, that's hard oh, to wow. Ago. Right after. And uh, cause of death? Uh, broken heart, it seems. A mystery? Undetermined, Jay. Undetermined. <laughs> that's what the reboot's yeah. going to be based on, is what happened to Robert Stack. Start. Well, maybe they ended the show because he passed. From the sounds of things, the timeline is thin. Yeah. But yeah, that show scared the shit out of me. And then I like went to sleep and dreamt I was Timmy down by the dam. Robert Stack, born Charles Langford Modini Stack. Come on! Yeah, that's a hell of a name. Well, to bring things back to sports, as I uh, generally <laughs> like to do. How there are no you. sports, your m Ryan Rashog with some interesting news passed along today detailing Edmonton's plan for a hub city. In that report, Ryan Rashog of TSN says that uh, Edmonton has tweaked their proposal and uh, has made it so it's almost an Olympic style or Olympic village style hub for the players. Uh, They would have golf simulators, basketball courts, movie nights, video games, live entertainment, ping pong, pool tables, lounge areas. And rooftop patios, which all sound like a ton of fun during COVID times. Arrangements with over a dozen of the city's top-end restaurants as well. Arrangement was with golf courses to make sure players have a golf course they can be playing at. Um, all of that stuff. And it, they added, while families likely won't be in the bubble, OEG is coordinated with Alberta Tourism to create a vacation experience in Jasper, Banff, Canmore, and Lake Louise for family members to take part in while play is underway. Um, so Edmonton beefing up their proposal a little bit. Uh, For me, and I tweeted this out yesterday, got a lot of attention. I had someone come to me with some info. It sounds like the players don't think they're coming to Edmonton. It sounds like the players are under the impression it is just a matter of time until it is Vegas for the East and Vancouver for the West. Um, Things still seem up in the air, but Edmonton's proposal to kind of beef things up, you guys got a take on that? Uh, well, I mean, I, I think it's funny that the first of all, Vegas is the Eastern Hub, that it is also in the Pacific Time Zone. Yeah. Yeah, it, and I mean, it's quite it's it's quite the uh, rollout in terms of an offering now. Like, once again, yes, I'm jaded, but also, you know, in the name of numbers of cases, still Edmonton is one of the better places. Like, this should just be about the whole purpose of selecting. A hub city is where's the safest place to do this 
And then the fact that Edmonton wants to double down and provide this crazy experience, especially taking care of the families like they are. Like, I know we're a long shot, but like, fuck, like, just give your heads a shake and like, accept it. Like the fact that like Vegas is even in the conversation, given what is happening in the States is just mind blowing to me. I think- well, Tyler, you also, you, Tyler, you mentioned that you, you kind of the word on the street that you're hearing is that Edmonton's not exactly a popular choice. Yeah, and that's what I've heard as well, is that when the players kind of held, I don't know if it, was, if, if it was an official PA vote or unofficial, but Edmonton didn't get a lot of love. Now, maybe that's why Edmonton went back and beefed up their proposal with, with all these added features, but I wouldn't say Edmonton's a long shot. I'd say if it's not Vancouver, it's probably going to be Edmonton. I think that's a pretty safe final three. Um, but again, like I don't think the league really cares, as right or wrong as this is, about COVID cases. They care about who can create the best bubble for them. How can you get the most secure area around those players to make sure players don't get sick and we don't have an outbreak on a team? Um, The fun way I kind of wanted to spin this is uh, they talked about all the top-end restaurants in the city, all of the sort of local amenities that they're trying to get on board. Donair Shop is going to be a popular answer, obviously, and maybe this is how they should or we should reward the Donair bracket winner by letting them feed NHL players. But what's one Edmonton thing that you think should be closed off and open to the NHLers so they could fully experience our city? (laughs) Cactus Club, and you know why. (laughs) The back room of the pint. Yeah. Bourbon Street. The of the pint. You got Bourbon Street at Wem. You got everything down there. I mean, we've talked about that before, just closing down West Edmonton Mall and letting the players and their families live there. Like, if a guy wants to go sit on the Santa Maria for a while, he's more than welcome to do so. But uh, what about the riverboat? Is there any... Do we have an update on that? Is there any way they can get the riverboat up and running so that it can be floated around for the players? It's out of the 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 water right now, isn't it? The riverboat is fucked. It's fucked? Yeah. They've dragged it out of the river down at Laurier Park, and they are busily setting to work trying to reorient the hull. That doesn't sound good. Well, if you're in the riverboat business, which I'm sure either you are or somebody you know, mm-hmm. a hull straightening is one of the least uh, desirable maintenance cycles to go through, really. That or a paddle depaddlifying her. That's bad, too. I respect that. I respect that they're fixing it, though. That's incredible, yeah. considering the damage that happened. So I drove down and took a look at it. Like The amount of equipment that they have working on that thing the riverboat is owned by the right people. Oh, is it ever? It's the only, it's the only chance uh, that it has is with its current owners. Back to the Hub City thing. Would you like Jay? You kind of said you know you're a little biased when you talk about this. Would you guys be disappointed at all if it's Vegas and Vancouver? Like, would you be disappointed that Edmonton wouldn't get it, or do you not really give a shit? Oh, yeah. So, like I said, it, it's it's. Yeah, there's some biased reasons why it's great that it that, that it would be here. You know, some limited businesses will be supported by this. But for me, it's just all the attention Edmonton will garner from being a hub city is what I, I really enjoy about all this. So will I be disappointed if Edmonton's not a hub? Yes. But I'm also not like, also just from science, I would be disappointed. Like the fact that they, they, they're so adamant about having it in Vegas. Like how are they going to build a bubble in Vegas? Vegas is fully functional right now. And just humanity is everywhere. How are they going to build this bubble? And so many vices. How are players going to stay within the confines of that bubble? Listen, if you don't want to go to the Bellagio and watch a go-go dancer and complete PPE equipment weirdly dance around in a hazmat suit, I don't think you've lived. That's fair. But, uh, yeah. So for me, like my... <laughs> go-go dancers? <laughs> the go-go dancers, I think it's at the stands or something that are in the pit. They're all wearing yeah. PPE. It's so bizarre. Uh, yeah, like I just want hockey to come back, and I don't want it to come back and be shut. And then let I me just, let me flip the script on you, Yuramchak, and ask you a question. Yeah, what do you think is going to happen with the reopening efforts? With society or the NHL? Sports, like everything that's happened, and with sports trying to reopen and cases breaking out in the last seven days, does this make you think that they just need to change their protocols? They're getting their heads wrapped around it. Do you think that the biggest factor in sports in the next two years is going to be covid or do you think they're going to shut it down if like i would not be surprised if this went horribly wrong and what i mean by that is 
what would happen? Like, okay, so we saw there was the report, and somehow Austin Matthews' name got out, even though that's not supposed to be happening. Thanks, Steve Simmons, for that one. Um, but the report that Matthews has it, and some members of the Coyotes do, and some members of the Lightning do, right? So those, you know, if it's eight players on the team, they now need to quarantine themselves for two weeks if they're all positive. Well, what's going to happen, let's say it's the night before game four of the Oilers yep. series against the Blackhawks, and all of a sudden they go, wow, Edmonton just had three players test positive and two staff members. So right off the bat, it, there's an equal chance that it is Connor McDavid, Gaetan Hossio, it could be anyone. So Edmonton loses three players off their roster, but it's okay. They have a reserve. They bring him in. They lose game four. And now it's the next morning. And four more players test positive. And then the morning of game five, three more players test positive. What do you do? Or if it's, you know, three players on the Oilers, three players on the Hawks, like, is there a point where you go, we're done. This team can't play for two weeks. This team doesn't have I think the players. only move is you have to do it eye for eye, like the Old Testament. If one <laughs> Blackhawk gets it, they have to pick an Oiler to give it to <laughs> it's like the ultimate sending a guy to the bench for serving a bench minor, right? Like, sorry, man, fuck. Kane got it. You're going to have to get it, Gaetan Haas. And he's like, whatever. Oh, you take that trade off all day. Yeah, you take yeah, that trade, take off, that trade off. But I just, it just, it just reinforces that, like, we got to get these guys to these hub cities and in these bottle, bubbles ASAP. <laughs> Cause, yeah, because I mean, look, right now, they're are, you, are, are we shocked? Are we shocked that uh, guys, that athletes in Florida, are getting cases of uh, are testing positive when Florida is setting records for for new cases daily versus like during the uh, the lockdown or or pre lockdown? Like, are we like are we surprised? Like, that's a pretty direct correlation. Florida is blowing up with cases, and all of a sudden, athletes that are down there are testing positive. Get them out of here. You can't pick these hub cities enough and create these bubbles soon enough to at least try and mitigate this and give it a fucking chance. Well, it's crazy that uh, Major League Spring Training, they're shutting it down. Now they're saying they want to move it to New York. And New York's like, we don't want you. Yeah. We don't want the influx of all these people coming to New York. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just go and, like, go and, like, go to Nebraska. Go build, go mow down a couple of cornfields and turn them into baseball fields. Reward the farmers handsomely for their loss and uh, put them in a really sparse place. <laughs> I mean, short of doing that. that, like, remember when this first started, we were hearing about how the NHL was looking at, like, North Dakota and stuff in their facilities as a place to return. And now it seems like being a hub city has almost been, like, glamorized. It's like, oh, man, you'd be lucky to be uh No. It's not. It's just a function. Like, that's the whole thing, like, and that's why, like, Edmonton makes sense versus Vancouver because we're not that dense, right, in terms of, of population. Well, but by that so, logic, you should be taking players to, like, a non-NHL market in the middle of nowhere and then putting, like, a biosphere around the town. But they, but they wouldn't have the infrastructure. That's right. Like, they, yeah. they, need all, they need the hotels. They need a little bit of the amenities. They need a little bit of that. And that's why, like, going into a really dense market doesn't make any sense. Like, I suppose it's also political. Like, if you award two hub cities to two NHL franchises, there's some residual value. But, like, if you really wanted to create a bio-bubble, you'd be running it in, like, a WHL arena or something in the middle of, like, PA or something. Yeah, but PA couldn't support, like, Why, they don't have hotels for 600 people? I don't think they have facilities that the players would agree to go to, and I think that's a part of this, too, and that might be why you're seeing Edmonton struggle, is the players at any point in this process can sit there and go, we're done. We're not doing this. We're sorry. And <laughs> they can completely shut it down, right? Which is why Edmonton and Vancouver and Vegas are loading up these proposals and the league is helping them load up these proposals so that the players will go, okay, I'll be safe. I won't be bored out of my skull when my team's not playing and my family's going to be close by and safe as well. And I think if you, you can't just get that by going to swift current and being like, yeah, we're loading up the Super 8 and whatever other hotels now, are in Swift Current. First of all, I, would, I said PA. I would never send people knowingly to Swifty during pandemic. It's wild. Those people are crazy out there. Maybe they need to give everybody an RV. Maybe that's the most, uh, what the, the play. Everybody gets their own little zone. There's also yeah, the like, trailers. Also like, wah, come on, fuck me. It's just like, what are you doing? Do you want to play or not? Kind of where we're at. Really? Well, it's kind of like watching the baseball players argue with the ownership about how many games they're going to play. This isn't 
a situation that you negotiate your way out of, right? This is like, there's some fucking hard realities here to how the world's lining up and being like, no, I don't want to be bored playing in a strike or a COVID shortened season in Edmonton. Like, all right, man, if that's really what you think the concern is right now, good for you. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Like, I, I think it's I, just, I just more complicated, it. right? It's more complicated, but at the same time, it's just like, first of all, what's taking so long? I remember I wrote something on The Nation, like, I swear this is four, five, six weeks ago now, where they were like, okay, Hub City announcement is going to come in the next couple of weeks, and it's just going on. Well, I think what's taking so long is that in the last five or six weeks, basically more things have gone wrong than right. No, and I'm totally with you on that, but like they still haven't moved their date of being like, okay, we want to kick off on July 10th. What's going on right now? Are we shredding paper? Oh, oh yeah, just doing some office uh, cleanup. Oh, Makes perfect. Sense. Yeah, great. We're in the middle of a podcast. That's... You want to order a sandwich or something, too? Maybe? That uh, I, uh, I, I ate well before the podcast. Happen. I had a cycle salad. It was delicious. Do you cool. work at the tinfoil factory? What is all that crinkling? <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of like they want to get going on training camps on July 10th, and they still haven't announced where these guys are going. You're running out of time. You are. Yeah. And like the they other need, side, they of this. need to be there. They need to be in their hub cities like tomorrow. Like well, and two, that's, like, I completely agree with Jay. Like, announce the hub city, and let's get the players there. Let's go because yeah. there's a bunch of guys that are in Europe. Yeah. They're gonna have fucking who knows how they're gonna get here. Private jet. Yeah, that'd be sweet having all the owners swing their private jets around to like. No, I would just. I would legitimately lease a jet to go from like Frankfurt to Edmonton and just have regional private jets pick everybody up. We're going to have to do something, but like, again, they're going to need to do it. like, now let's get going. Imagine. All right. Let me ask a question. Single answers only single word answers only your M truck. Will the NHL open before October? Yes. Bagmo. Yes. Jay. Yes. Imaginary Sam Gagne, who's on the show every week. Yeah. He's a good wow. man. All right. Well, man. I don't know. I hear everything with a fucking unsolved mystery theme behind it right now. So I don't well, know. And rightfully so. And rightfully so. But at some point, like, you know, either we shut down. There's one or two. Either you shut this down until there's a vaccine or you just create the best circumstance and just force your way through it. And it seems like that's the path all major sports leagues are taking. Yeah. So let's just do it. So let's. When do they, when are they supposed to make the announcement of the hub cities? No clue. I, Chris Johnson initially reported that it was going to be today, but that's not happening because now Pierre LeBrun's written an article saying that a handful of cities are still in it, and he's like, "LA still thinks they have a chance." So, oh my god, yeah, no one really. LA, knows what's going like, on. LA's not even in the tournament. Oh, whatever. But to me, I like yeah. to answer the original question is just uh, part of the annoyance for me is it. Edmonton, I would love it here. It would be, you know, a good spotlight on the city. However, if it's not, whatever. I just find it super odd that they would have both in the Pacific time zone. You're going to have teams playing at, like, with 11 p.m. starts in, in the East. Maybe they're going to be playing three games a day. I want the matinee games to be watchable in the East. You're going to have to play three games a day. But that's, but that's maybe why it's in Pacific, right? Yeah, and I think what would probably happen is like the Western Conference hub games will be the late ones. And in Vegas, you're going to be playing at like 1 o'clock Vegas time, which is 4 o'clock. And the other game will start at like 5 o'clock Vegas time. So 8 o'clock Eastern. So if the Eastern hub is doing like a 1 and 5, and then the Vancouver hub spot, they could do like a 4 o'clock start their time, but then also like an 8 o'clock start their time. And everywhere else would kind of figure it out from there. But it it's far from ideal. Like I said that from the start. Two team or two Pacific time zone hub cities. I didn't think it would work. I didn't think the league would be slightly interested in that. So that was the most surprising part when I heard that it was going to be the, or when someone told me it was going to be those two. I was just like, I can't believe they're not pushing harder for Toronto and all this. Well, I just like it, it. Just like I wonder how many. If we're talking about things that are going to annoy the players, how many of the Eastern team players are going to be like, well, fuck, we got to play a matinee every single time just because. Yeah. We're all Pacific. But then again, I, if you're in the hub city, it's almost like, oh, there's a matinee fucking matter. Like, you can't do anything other than play hockey anyways. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I just, I, I'd love them to just make an announcement so we can start moving players to those cities so that yeah. this actually looks more like a reality rather than a whack fest that seems to go on forever and ever. I was talking to a buddy of mine who is employed by a 
NHL related thing. And I was like, well, what the fuck is going to happen, man? Like, what is the situation? He's like, if they don't figure it out in the next two to three weeks, we might not have sports for years. And I was like, how, how do you figure that? He's like, I don't understand what will change. Like, if you try and open up and a whole bunch of people get infected because they're in close proximity to each other, like, short of putting a ring of soldiers around a practice facility, what are you really going to do? And I was like, oh, no. No sports for years. What will we watch? <laughs> and that's why you either do it or you don't. So if they're yeah. making the decision to do it, like, the quicker you can get these players to the hub cities, it gives you a little bit more runway to allow for a fuck-up to happen. But if these players are like, I want to live in Vegas during this season because I think I'm going to be out and about, the fuck you will, man. You're going to be living in, like, a bubble in your room where they're going to be bringing you, like, meals and sliding them through your door. They're going to be But it's not going to be like that. If you, if you look at Edmonton's pitch, it's not going to be like that. Like, it's going to be, yes, so there's good, you'll feel you're going to be confined to some spaces, but I think they're going to provide these, these guys some room. Um, to maneuver and kind of like live their life. Yes, they, you know, they they won't, and nor should they be able to just engage with like the population of that city. They, well, they can't be wheeling into Cactus Club and shit. They have to have all their food brought to them yeah. in yeah. a fucking boardroom or something, or about or the ballroom. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. I'm going to transition this quickly because we do have a guest. Joining us in just a second here, Dusty Legrand. He's the designer and owner of the Mobilized Clothing Company. Jay, while I bring on Dusty, uh, just tell the listeners a little bit of background info as to why we're having him on. Uh, yeah, so I got introduced to Dusty uh, from a friend of mine, and I and, and introduced to Mobilize. So uh, Mobilize is an indigenous clothing line, and I'll let Dusty explain kind of the story and what they're about. But, you know, they do some really cool shit. And, you know, it's, it's, it's something that we've been wanting to, uh, collaborate on with someone for a long time. And finally we kind of, Dusty kind of came across or we got introduced. Uh, and so we had a conversation about like what a collab means, uh, for, uh, Oilers Nation, for the Indigenous community. And we just had an unreal conversation. Like it was the most educating conversation I've ever had in my life. Uh, and it was amazing. Dusty's a very cool dude. And I think you'll get, you'll kind of feel that when you kind of hear him speak, uh, about this, but just talking about, you know, the, the, the stories about his community, uh, you know, the, the, the role hockey plays, hearing them, hearing him talk about Ethan Bear and what he means and stands for is all super cool. So Dusty's a super cool cat. And we did this clothing collaboration on a t-shirt that we're going to be dropping right away that, that Dusty did that, uh, you know, is by far uh, my favorite design we've ever done uh, for a T-shirt. So that's kind of some context as to, you know, who Dusty is, how we kind of cross paths and uh, and how he's kind of, you know, going to be on this podcast today to kind of share his story about what he's up to and, 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 and with our audience. So super cool dude doing cool things. Perfect. Well, let's uh, let's bring him into the podcast now designer and owner of the Mobilize Indigenous Clothing Company. Uh, we're doing a fun collab between them and Nation Gear. Dusty, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? Good. How are you? We're good. We're good. I'm Tyler Remchuk, host and producer. You're joined uh, Wanye Bagged Milk. Jay is in here as well, chatting about the collab you're doing with Nation Gear a little bit. Um, but before we get into the specifics of that, why don't you just tell us a little bit about Mobilize, what you do, and, and, and what it kind of stands for? Yeah, so it's it's a story of kind of my own identity and uh, working with Indigenous youth. Uh, when I was 12, I started coaching basketball for Indigenous youth, um, reconnecting in that way. And a piece that was missing was aspects in art, in culture, in just everyday society that could connect them to their own identity. They could learn their stories. Our education system doesn't teach people much about the true Indigenous history or even the specifics about you know, that tribe or the nation that you come from. Um, so Mobilize came as a way to connect them. And it's intentionally streetwear because that's what most of the young kids be rocking. Uh, a lot of the kids that I worked with um, once I was older would always ask me to, like, take them shopping and do those kinds of things with them. So that's where the inspiration kind of came from. And doing it myself and finding out much about myself through clothing um, was really cool. So I wanted to connect the youth with a stream that could do that same thing. 
Um, so that's where that's where Mobilize comes in, and um, the slogan that we use is uh, "Streetwear with a Cree flair." So it's kind of blending streetwear with the Cree culture. Uh, I'm a Nahal person, so I just kind of take my own perspectives. Uh, and and for the people, Nahal is the proper way to say Cree. So Cree was a mislabel. So little stories like that are ways to kind of tell them about who they are and the truths behind it as well. Yeah, like I'm on the website right now, and it is like like you said, it's streetwear, it's hips, and how much how much does that mean? Like for for a kid who would be growing up to have something like this where they can blend you know their identity as an indigenous person with man looking good as well <laughs> yeah and that's what that's what i wanted to be like it's not just you know i have aspirations not to just be an indigenous streetwear but mm. to like you know have, be in stores beside supreme um, reach these people and, and set the bar up there i have three daughters of my own and so when it comes to entrepreneurship it's it's about reclaiming your own um autonomy and not having to work within the system this and falling into those things and being able to, because historically indigenous people, this is how we work. We, we all had our own things. We all had our own crafts. Um, and those would come in and trade and ways to connect with other people. And if you were good at something, then you had something of value that you could take care of your family with. Um, so that, that's what I wanted to do with streetwear was to, to show them that, but also, yeah, it just doesn't exist. Um, there's a few indigenous streetwear companies throughout North America, but, nothing that's very present in this community in Edmonton specifically. Um, and that's kind of the way I was taught was like first impact your home community. And so that's why a lot of what I do with mobilize is, is here in Edmonton and the pop-up shops and, um, just ways that I, you know, I reserve even a lot of the gear and the drops for local people and offer like free local delivery, different ways to connect and just recreating community. And, um, a lot of us indigenous people were displaced to different areas. So we're coming back together. And through art and through entrepreneurship, it's, it's starting to get a lot stronger in those areas as well. Jay, I'll hand it over to you now and let you uh, throw a few questions out here as well. Well, like I said, you just listen to Dusty speak and it's just super inspirational. And, you know, you're such a leader in this, in you know, for your community. And like I said, we had that meeting there, geez, it was like two weeks before COVID. Like mm-hmm. we talked about so many cool things. But, uh, and we're, and and I just want to say thank you for, you know, coming aboard and wanting to kind of work together on a collaboration. Uh, so, you know, you came up with this wicked design, uh, for, you know, we're going to label it, uh, uh, as, as, as the Masqua t-shirt. Um, so maybe, you know, maybe, uh, kind of walk us through the the design, but also, you know, we want to talk about, you know, you, 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 you shared so many interesting insights uh, mm. about Ethan Bear as well, and like you know, you know, from his jersey number to you know it, the what like what his like his last name in terms of uh, the, the stories that are connected to that to the type of player that he is on the ice. Like, could 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 you provide some of some of that insight that you, that you shared with me that day and kind of blow our audience's mind? Yeah, for sure, um, and that's like that's what's cool about indigenous culture is the storytelling. And so there's lots of elements that go into it. And like the first thing, as soon as I had got your email, Jay was just, was Ethan bear. Cause uh, it's like the first time that we've had a prominent Cree player playing in a prominent Cree territory as well. Uh, and I was like, Oh, that would be so cool. Cause I had thought about designing shirts, you know, in honor of him um, to speak about these aspects. And so Musqua is bear in Cree and Musqua um, when we talk about the animals is the protector and so the bear is the protector of the people and that becomes their role um, some people have heard of clan systems of like spirit animals um, that's kind of the teaching is behind the bear is the bear is the protector and so I thought it was really cool with Ethan playing defense was to kind of blend those concepts you know on the ice he plays that role as a protector as well and um, everything about like Ethan is very culturally infused. So the number seven and four, our writing system is called syllabics in Crete. And so it's not in Roman orthology, but it's more of um, symbols if people will take it that way. Um, But they're spirit markers. And they come from a star chart, which is derived from the stars. Like it's in the constellations. It's very uh, present. So much of our culture is rooted in the earth and you can see it in many places. So the, 
the grandmother directions have seven syllabics and the grandfather directions have four syllabics. So the numbers seven and four return in our culture in many ways. They're very sacred. Um, so they're kind of the special numbers. And it comes from the language. A lot of these stories are rooted in the language. And so just those aspects of, of Ethan, those numbers, um, that he was Cree, that I am Cree, and to be able to tell these little aspects, I think, is the way that we connect our communities and we um, let people know about us um, from, you know, breaking down the walls of stereotypes, of biases, um, of, of mislabels in those ways and being like, no, this is who we really are. And it's a lot deeper and there's many, many stories to it. Um, so it's really cool that, that Ethan is playing on the Oilers right now, too. And so those little things are kind of like uh, many of our teachers, our elders will speak of that things happen at the right time when they're supposed to. And so like this coming together um, right now is very interesting. Yeah. And like, see, like I, I told you guys, it's super cool. Kind of the whole backstory when you kind of hear yeah. uh, all that stuff in terms of like the meaning behind everything. It's like I said, we sat down that one day and had coffee and I just had chills the whole time. Um, you know, for us, like in, in, in the motivation, I was like the, the nation, like Oilers nation, you know, we're, we, we have a huge indigenous community in, in, you know, in, in oil country, if you will. Right. And it's something that, you know, we, we, we support and we, you know, but we, but we didn't really go deep on. So we're like, I just feel very fortunate Jesse, that you came and you wanted to work with us to help kind of create something to represent and respect that community uh, by, by, by collaborating on the shirt and like, and just hearing, like, like I said, Dusty's got some ideas, man. This guy is, 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 is hustling. <laughs> Uh, so like, this is just the start, uh, and, and, and of, of hopefully a beautiful relationship where we can go deeper on stuff like this. So maybe just walk us, uh, uh, through the design itself. We're going to launch it either later today or tomorrow. Uh, so kind of walk us through what you did here, my friend, outside of just making something beautiful. There's more to that than, uh, just its optics. Yeah. Yeah. So the front is the. Um, you'll see more of kind of an up close of a bear and the mouth um, is open and just that uh, that aggressiveness and that energy um, on the ice as a defenseman to just be like, you know, everybody's coming at you, but you're ready. Um, so that's kind of what that the inspiration of the front was and that mouth open. Um, I have I have other designs that I've made similar to this, but this was the one um, that came out. It's very interesting that the designs or the collaborations that uh, I get very excited about the designs just flow like really easy. Like they just come out. They're just perfect. And so on the back, we use uh, the syllabics for Amiskwichiwaskaega, which is the Cree name of this territory, which is uh, Beaver Hills House. And wanted to show people that Edmonton has a Cree name uh, and that the Cree people we here had, had a label for this. And the waters are always a meeting place. So most of the big waters are where the indigenous people would come together, where these trades would happen. And so Edmonton was a big meeting place. And uh, my, myself, I come from the Papa Chase people, which is the River Valley people. We're like the Cree River Valley people. Um, so it was really interesting to be able to like tell these stories, to connect that. And so it was just that that aspect of Oiler Nation was really cool, too, because as indigenous people, we don't really refer to ourselves as tribes or uh, clans or things like that, we actually refer to ourselves as nations, independent nations. So there's the Cree nation, there's the Blackfoot nation, the Dene nation, and they're all their own nation. And so even in the treaties being signed, those were the nation to nation relationships between the specific nations. Um, so it's these little aspects that we get to tell people about, uh, of what, of what we, you know, who we really are as people. And, um, most of my teachers tell us that you know, where we're at now with what has happened, there's been some ugly things, but it's about moving forward in a good way. And I think this collaboration with Oil Nation um, contributes to that conversation and allows two communities to come together through the sport of hockey, which is, you know, I, I played college basketball, so I know the power of sports for connecting people. Um, when I was playing, I was like one of the only Native dudes in all of Alberta playing college basketball. And so... But it connected me with a lot of people who were not indigenous and got to learn these stories and vice versa, got to learn about them. And I think sport is a really cool way. And when we go northern Alberta, hockey is like the biggest thing. Like they don't play basketball. They don't really play anything else. Baseball, like they play hockey. Like hockey is the thing. And so 
Um, even that, like, I'm excited to tell a lot of my following because they're going to be so shocked. Like, oh my goodness, you're doing with Oiler Nation. And so that that's going to be really cool for them as well. And so it connects our community in a really uh, gentle way. Yeah. And like I said, like, you're, our, our platform is your platform, my friend, because you do such a good job of telling the story and educating everyone. And I think, you know, this shirt is just with everything that you put into it is such a great uh, start. So we're, uh, we're also donating a portion of the proceeds of the sale to this. Uh, I guess it's not to charity because it's the, I'll, I'll let you kind of walk through it, but it, well, it's, it's an initiative. So we'll walk through where we'll be uh, making these donations to Dusty. Okay. Uh, I think they began back in 2012. Um, it's the Alberta Indigenous Games. So it's nations all over Alberta. I think in Alberta there is 56 different uh, reserves. And so this game brings together all those different people. Um, so it started as just a small thing for a lot of local Indigenous youth. And it encompassed like all the sports, soccer, basketball, volleyball, hockey. Um, so it's like a mini Olympics and track and field. And there's even rowing, canoeing. Um, and many of the sport bodies of Alberta are sponsors or participate through refing in different ways. So these young indigenous athletes are actually getting a way to interact with college scouts, with different people. And many of these kids that come from reserves, they're not in the cities very often. So they're not getting seen by these people. Um, so it creates a stream for them. And last year, it's grown to be bigger than the Alberta Summer Games now. So last year, it pulled in 3,000 Indigenous athletes between the age of 12 and 17. And it was all over the city. Like FX Rec Center was completely booked for two weeks just for these games. Um, and it was really cool. I coordinated basketball for last year. And I was also a part of the creation of this. It was started by a name, a guy named Alan Ross. Um, he's passed on now, but he is somebody in this community that brought Indigenous people and sport together, um, obviously through initiatives like this on a very high level. And that was as soon as, you know, with this involvement of sport, uh, they were they were the community that I wanted to give back to because they're doing really cool work. Basketball Alberta is working in partnership with them. Lacrosse Alberta, volleyball Alberta, rugby Alberta. Um, so it's 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 a really cool initiative, and there is some really talented Indigenous athletes that you'll see at these things, um, and much of them aren't getting seen, and they're not playing against like you know Ross Shep or Amy or these big schools, so they're not getting the same exposure. Um, so Alberta Indigenous Games is offering that. And most recently, a really cool thing that happened before um, or after this collaboration of this shirt is Ethan Bear is sponsoring their summer fitness challenge. So because of COVID, they had to cancel the games. Um, so it, it used to be every two years, but now because of the growth, it's happening every year, every summer. And they're growing so big that the, the guy said that they might actually start bidding for where they host the next one for, for next year in Alberta. And so it's a really cool thing, but Ethan Bear is the spokesperson for the Summer Fitness Challenge. So instead of having the game, they're having a Summer Fitness Challenge where over 500 people have signed up to be a part of this. It's just promoting wellness and activity every day. And so they have people like Ethan Bear who are running them through workouts online. And there's like really big prize packages that are available for everybody. Um, so just the work they do is really cool and there's nothing really like it that's going on for the indigenous community on that level. Um, so I really believe in what they're doing and just wanted to give back to the community in that way. Uh, Wani, I'll, I'll hand it over to you. Now. I think uh, you, you had a question to ask about, about Ethan Bear specifically, right? Well, I'm just extraordinarily impressed by this entire thing. I hate this podcast. So for the first time, I'm <laughs> like, I'd listen to this. This is actually an interesting show. Thank you for coming on here and bringing our normally two out of ten up to about an eight and a half interesting the shirt is awesome like it's really rad that's cool i think like going forward i I agree with every single thing you said in in your entire speech it was very well done think of us as people that we would love to work with you guys going further right like we try and support charitable initiatives and like our readers and and oilers fans have been amazing at rising to different uh challenges we've worked with different charity group different organizations and also youth groups too right and i think Mm -hmm. you guys are a really awesome to like create something bigger than the Alberta Summer Games that quickly 
shows what an immense yeah. demand there is, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't something where you're having to convince people to play sport. They're already unreal. They just need, a, like you said, a lane, right? Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. My, my question was about Ethan Bear. I heard it, this is like a low-brow question. You're talking about, like, odd high stuff, and now I'm going to come here looking like a goof. But I, I, a buddy of mine saw Ethan Bear out on the town before, like, all this COVID nonsense. And he's like, he had, like, an extra star power level to him where, like, Everybody was like, oh, there's Ethan Barry. Ethan Barry's like, white girls are excited. Asian <laughs> girls are excited. Indigenous girls are excited. They're like, Ethan Barry's going to do very well for himself. Like, have you seen him out and around? Is he, does he have that star power? He does. And you just see in, in the indigenous community, he's just, you know, he's the guy right now because he's, he's playing for the Oilers. And yeah. He's our guy. Like, I'm sure his jersey sales are through the roof. Um, and just, you know, that's what's uh, empowering to the people is sure. they finally can see one of their own. And even for the youth, they're seeing this possibility like, yo, if Ethan can do it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's that's what it's about. Even just entrepreneurship is just showing the young people, the next generation that, oh, I can do that. And like what I'm dreaming about is possible. Uh, I always wanted to do that with basketball. I wanted to be the first dude to make the NBA. And then I blew out my knee in college. And it was, it was a whole different thing, but it was interesting because I think well, you I still was, moved the, you still moved the yard marker pretty far down the road. Like congratulations on playing football. <laughs> That's no. Yeah. I think like you, you made an excellent point about like moving forward, right? And and I think that that's a very well said point. And what you need is heroes, right? Like if Ethan Bear goes top shelf in the 2026 playoffs and wins a series against San Jose, like we've delivered an awesome bridge between our peoples, right? And, mm-hmm. like, you guys supplied the hero, right? And, like, that's what's neat about sports. Like, Neil Yakupov coming over here, right? Mm. He's from the middle of absolutely nowhere in Russia. And, like, there'd be very little chance he would come to North America were it not for sport, right? Mm. And then to be sitting two lockers down from Ethan Bear, conceivably, in an alternate universe, like, that's really cool. And that builds a lot of bridges, I think, between a lot of disparate cultures all around the world. Mm-hmm. And we realize, like, we're all the same, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Ethan Bear has that potential. Sheldon Surrey did that, too, I think. To some yeah. Like, with Sheldon Surrey around, I was like, oh, shit, this guy's going to be the hero of Northern Alberta. Yeah. Yeah, and, and there has been, like, um, I actually have a friend. His name is Name Cardinal. And he has one of the coolest hockey card collections. It's the Indigenous Hockey Card Collection. So he has this extensive... Uh, data of all the indigenous players and i've learned so much like i knew about flurry uh carrie price tutu you know these guys like the bigger names that way but he has discovered so many people um and little words like that also contributes to that conversation of them seeing themselves and be like oh there isn't just ethan bear there's been all these guys too uh and ethan is one of the most like visibly indigenous people too and so i think that aspect's really cool is because there hasn't been somebody like that um, and even in that visibility, we face a lot of, of pushback from, you know, people that just don't understand. Like even myself, like having long hair, I have really long hair. Uh, I get followed every time I go grocery shopping, you know, like these things happen. And, you know, it happens to our youth and there's still a lot of holes in the system in those ways. So someone like Ethan Bear getting where he's getting is just like, you know what, you probably navigated that same thing. You grew up in Canada. You grew up in Saskatchewan specifically which is another another game of between the urban and rural people there or the indigenous and non-indigenous there. So um, he has experience through that and stories through that that the youth can learn so much from. And yeah, just like, you, you probably couldn't, I don't even know if any indigenous people would say Connor McDavid's their favorite player on the Oilers. Like, <laughs> like that's the level it's at. Like yeah. even I would be like Ethan Bear. I know how good Connor is, and I know how special it is to have a player like him. Um, and also to have, you know, have Ethan playing at the same time that Connor McDavid is on this team as well. You know, like to have someone that special because you know you could just watch him in the game and you're like, yo, Connor's a different breed of people. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the kind of player that Ethan is too, from what we've seen so far, is like, I think he's a fairly durable guy. Like he could play a lot of years in the league, mm-hmm. right? Like when, if he were to go, uh, you know, beginning to end as an oiler, he could conceivably play for more than a decade. Right. And that'd be a lot of really good opportunities for links between all the different communities too, in that time. Right. Mm-hmm. Better he stay here. Right. Like I don't go to, no one should go to, you know, Florida, but especially Ethan Barry. <laughs> Damn here, level yeah. up here. 
he, he does a lot in the community too, doesn't he? He's mm-hmm. really getting out, right? Yeah. Jay, before we wrap this up, I'll, I'll come back to you one more time if you have any uh, if you have any closing thoughts or questions. Well, I just once again want to thank you, Dusty, for uh, answering that initial email and having that great conversation with us. To now, you know, uh, materializing it into a, a, co- a collaboration here, so something you know uh, I'm super excited for. And like I said, I, I I had that first meeting was very inspiring, and I'm, I'm glad we got to. You got to come on the podcast and share a bit of, of the story and the mission uh, with the audience because I, I, I'm sure they're going to get the same feels that I did when we first met. So I just want to say thank you for, you know, jumping aboard. And, uh, you know, I look forward to doing more of this. And we're going to be launching this shirt here right away. And I'm excited to see how it goes because I know how your shit moves. And I apologize for swearing. But <laughs> the, minute, the minute Dusty drops something, it goes. So uh, it's, it's it'll be exciting. Uh, it's an exciting project to see kind of come to fruition, and I can't wait to see how it kind of moves once it's in live and out in the in the world. And come yeah. back on here with us. Let's check back in. Yeah, we'll definitely. Yeah, sounds good. All right, Dusty, we appreciate it. Uh, for those who want to know more about Dusty's company, we will have a link to his website in the article for the podcast on Oilers Nation, and uh, look for that shirt on Nation Gear as well. Dusty, thanks for doing this. Have a good one. Yes, yeah, thank you. Take care, everybody. Thanks, man. Take care, care Dusty. There you go. That's Dusty Legrand. He's from Mobilize Clothing. Uh, that was that was really cool. That was, I mean, I'm not surprising anyone when I say this. That was unlike anything we've done on the podcast before, and I'm happy we got a chance to do that. Oh, that was unbelievable. Good job, Jay. Oh, like I said, like this guy is such a cool dude, and his ability to tell story is unreal. Like mm-hmm. you can sit and just like I was like, like he had to leave. Like I couldn't just like when we met, we, he only had an hour. Like I could have sat for three hours because he was just. He was educating me on everything. And can that's we make, why a, can like, we make a video about the Ethan Bear t-shirt where he's explaining it and telling stories? Uh, we could definitely probably do it from the audio side. The video might be... Yeah, I'll, oh, yeah. I'm Yeah, Yeah, I'm sure we can get a separate video done. Yeah, and just have him explain it because I think like me listening to that story made me want the shirt more because I understood it. Before, I just thought it looked rad. Yeah, that's the whole thing, right? Like it's it's a design, but like I wanted Dusty to come on and kind of explain the meaning of everything because oh, yeah. it's like it's deep rooted, and so like you wear that shirt because it's got purpose. And uh, yeah, I know it's super cool. Like I said, this is something we have talked about that we wanted to do, but we, you know, we have to we have to collaborate with you know with with an indigenous person on this because we want to give them the full creative license. So the fact that this manifested. And, you know, I was able to meet Dusty, who, like, like I said, like, his his shit is legit. Like, I, I, I follow him from afar, and I'm like, hey, man, like, I tried to buy a hoodie. It, it was, it was, it was, uh, it dropped, like, 30 minutes, you know, prior, or, or, yeah, prior to me reaching out. And he's like, oh, sorry, dude, it's already sold out. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's crazy. So this guy, this guy's doing great things for his community. He's a leader. So I, the big thing for this is it's like, okay, we've got, a platform. I'm like, use it to tell the story because people will be fucking blown away. Um, you know, talking about the hockey elements, but just even even get deeper on the whole the the like uh, their story, right? And talking about all the different nations and all that. Like, I learned so much. Uh, so it's super super cool. When and he started saying he's the River Valley guy, I almost started screaming in the alley like, "No, we are too. We love you, yay!" But well, there's another conversation there to be had because. Um, uh, yeah, there's there, there's another conversation we had there that uh, we had loosely talked about last time that we're going to get deeper on because his sister's uh, also a uh, like nationally recognized indigenous artist. Cool. Uh, so there's uh, yeah, there's some there's some a ton of cool shit to to work on, and like I said, we just want to you know like we just want to be a platform to help elevate the awareness of all this and get a guy like Dusty who can tell whose storytelling ability is so strong to like kind of, you know, get, get the message out. Cause he's doing his thing and he's doing a great job, but you know, it's, it's, I think with any element of exposure we can provide that guy, uh, will go a long way because well, he's already selling out hoodies in 30 minutes. He should tell us. Yeah. How to work <laughs> gear for fuck's sake. Well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we, a, we have a lot to learn. Well, yeah, we have a lot to learn from out on how, on how to run a business. That's for sure. But also just like the, the whole indigenous, like history is, is super neat. So yeah. I think it's, it's interesting, right? Like 
all the, the, the social activism right now and Black Lives Matter stuff and police force and all of these very credible social issues, right? And racism. And what do you do about racism? The best way to weed out racism is to interact with different cultures, right? Mm-hmm. So like, for example, when I went down and lived in rural Mexico, with like OG Mexicans. There's no white people for miles. I was like the only white guy I saw for four months, right? The way, do I have any issue with like racism and stuff like that with Mexican people? Of course not, right? I didn't beforehand. But now having gone down there and having a bunch of Mexican friends, you view the culture very differently, right? Because you have like examples and stuff. And I think this is like a really good way too. Like Ethan Bear could legitimately build a big cultural bridge. Yep. Right? And, you know, having a guy like that on the show and, like, talking the way that we did and the way that he did, he spoke very well. He got, like, that's a really good thing to come from just moving forward, like he said. That's the right way to do it. 100%. It was a great great conversation. I'm happy we had it. Uh, Guys, we don't have a lot of time left in the podcast, but one thing we like to do every Monday on The Real Life is take questions from the listeners. We got time for one. It came to us via Angus on Instagram, friend of the show. And, uh... It, okay, we, we've sort of, I think, oh, I don't remember if it was Oscar Oilers Nation Radio that talked about this about a month and a bit ago, but if you could clone Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and you made one team of Connor McDavid's goaltender, defense, all the forwards, and one team of Leon Dreisaitl's, who would win? Ooh. So a team of McDavid's against a team of Dreisaitl? Yeah, you got to, and try to factor in the goaltending aspect of this as well, but uh, for me, like as much as the raw speed of Connor McDavid probably gives him the edge, I think that they might be closer than people think. Well, I'm trying. Try, wow, you, you got to give me time to process something like this because I'm like thinking of <laughs> like, well, in playoffs, like Leon's a beast, and like you can't like take the puck off of him, and like he all of a sudden is like you know got the strength of a 700 pound you know gorilla. Uh, just bending people away. I don't even know if Connor could get at him. So could like playoff mode Drysaddle shoo off a Connor McDavid with his crazy super strength in playoffs? I think maybe he could. I just think the physicality that Leon Drysaddle could bring. Oh, that's a great question. Bag milk, Wanye? I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I'm taking Connor. Speed kills. And I agree with Jay. Drys Idol's beast mode, especially in the playoffs. But I think that Connor's got the wheels that he can kind of play keep a little bit, keep away a little bit. And if there's five of him, that is lightning. Uh, True. Uh, like, uh. Yeah, like five Connors is hard to contain, but Leon's got boots on him as well. Anyways, that's our listener question for the week. If you have one. <laughs> Uh, send it over to us, Instagram, Twitter. Our DMs are open. You can email it to me, Tyler at OilersNation.com, and I will pass it along. Uh, before we wrap things up, Nation Beer, the Canada Canada Day Cans, limited edition. They are out now, correct? Oh, yeah. They are moving like crazy. So I've, much so that we're probably going to get an emergency batch delivered on the weekend. Not bad. And Oodle Noodle, do we have a uh, a charitable update from our friends at Oodle Noodle? So this week, Oodle Noodle is uh, partnered up with Concrete Theater and the 3.7% Initiative. So the 3.7% Initiative is a uh, group of women and non-binary people who are ethically diverse and invited to join us in creating a new kind of artistic leadership in the theater in Canada. So uh, funds go to support that theater group. Right now, uh, we know artists, you know, without, you know, we get together and consume theater are uh are you know in in need of some help so theater groups like concrete theater are still supporting their communities and this in this particular initiative as well i invite everyone to go check out the theater to kind of read uh more about what the 3.7 percent initiative is and kind of the uh yeah kind of powerful messaging behind that also check out the video that uh, we'll be dropping uh, later today, if not early Tuesday, uh, where we feature the uh, the program head from Concrete Theater uh, as she uh, walks through uh, what they are up to and what the three point seven percent initiative is. So when we super, when we post those Oodle Noodle videos, Jan, so we should shoot them to, to your abstract to post on real life too. Sure, you absolutely, could certainly do that. 
Yeah. yeah, no, it makes sense. We're telling everyone about this, so we should give them the visual uh, associated with it. Yeah, can so we get we, Doodle Noodle to work with the Indigenous Games? You think? Can we support them? I'm sure we can find a way. Yeah, oh, of course. The answer is yes. Uh, yeah. We'll just uh, we'll, we'll figure out. But yeah, so yeah, hundred percent. We can yep. uh, we can loop that in because, like I said, we want to we want to support uh, like it's, we want to support so many different things, right? So we wanted to support an artistic group. Yeah, and oh yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, talking yeah. to people. Oh no, 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 no. I know, but like so that's how kind of. So everyone pointed us in this direction, so that's super good. But no, I think it's supporting the Indigenous uh, Games is a, is a great idea. I think it's amazing so. that we support that theater. I think that's the spirit, like getting down to organizations of oodle noodle donations that would normally never. They're very off the beaten path, right? Mm-hmm. But they're very deserving. They just you don't get to hear about everybody. That's a that's a yeah. wonderful uh, organization to support. Yeah. So that is uh, that is us this week. So once again, thank you everyone who's been supporting us during this time. We've been able to, you know, raise some decent dollars for some awesome charities like this, and it wouldn't happen without uh, your support. Shout I out to really you, want to interview Ethan Bear. I I think he's like James Bond, man. Like I, I think he's that guy. I have a feeling that like oh, cool. the, when history looks back at the sexiest Indigenous players of all time, currently held by Sheldon Surrey, I would assume we all agree. I think Ethan Bear might take him down in the long run. Oh yeah, it, it, he probably has already. Like he's one silver Lamborghini away from being an all-time Northern Alberta legend in my mind. <laughs> you know, he could be that guy. I think he, I think he is that guy. Um, and 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 just the level of, for which he he gives back and, and yeah. kind of leads and supports uh, his community is is amazing. Which is like the the game changer there. So the and the fact that you know he can he's a, he's a, a unreal story on the ice as well so all right shout out to what is, what uh is, oh. sorry sorry your object one file thing. i have a question for you what is ethan bears who's a comp for ethan bear like what what is a good scenario for what kind of player is he like and, and what can we expect from him going for i i don't know if i can even do that right now because if you would have asked me like if i'm going to be blunt 12 months ago if you would have asked me what ethan bear is going to be i would have said uh probably a f- third pairing offensive D-man who can play on your power play. And then I probably would have said a year ago, and I've probably been on record saying this, you know, the Oilers are probably going to have to trade either he or Caleb Jones for some forward help. And I was pretty vocal about how the clock's ticking. You probably got to move one of those young defensemen. Flash forward to now, he is untouchable. He's proven uh, yeah. to be a bonafide top four offensive right shot defenseman, which we've been craving in this city for a decade a decade plus since Chris Pronger left. So to me, he's untouchable right now. And the progress he made in 12 months makes it nearly impossible to judge where he could be 12 months from now. I just, I want to, I got to jump in on that too, Tyler. Like we've been doing Oilers Nation for a thousand years now. It seems like I don't remember anyone on the Oilers back end like Ethan Bear. From the fact that he's a right shot, he's solid, the little plays he makes with the puck in all three zones, he's incredible. His puck skills are awesome. He's solid. He can defend well. His offense is only going to get better. Is he like a I'd... Niedermeyer? Like, what's a comparable player? I mean, Niedermeyer's you know a Hall I was thinking of famer, about? but... You know who I was thinking about? Actually, Tyler, tell me if I'm wrong. But remember when Lubo was here? Just the way he kind of moved around, the way he can make passes, the way he had some nice puck skills, he could run a power play. Obviously, that's a loose comparable, but I think yeah. there's something kind of there. Yeah, I mean, pick a puck moving defenseman, but I think you're right, like a Lubomir Vishnovsky in his prime, who, you know, wasn't necessarily a defensive specialist, but was the furthest thing from a defensive liability, and who just gets you out of trouble by moving his feet and moving the puck and passing the puck well. I, I think those are kind of mm-hmm. the things that Bear does well. His patience. God, yeah. he's got, like, Zen-like ninja patience right now, where... Like the stuff he tries to do in very tight circumstances is just mind blowing. So his IQ or just the way he sees his game has really evolved. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't know what to compare him to. I, I still need more time, but I'm just very bullish on where he's going and happy that he's wearing an oil uniform. I wish I could go through like all the nation's tweets just very very quickly and see how many times I've tweeted about Ethan Bear making some cool yeah. little play with the puck in his own zone because he does it mm-hmm. all the time and sometimes you don't even notice it until you see the replay but this kid has got he's got hands he's got wheels he's the best i love ethan yeah. bear i like that we ended the podcast with some ethan bear love that's good stuff uh we're also gonna end the podcast with a little bit of love for our friends at japa japamachinery.com you can also give them a ring 
5272. Try them out on rental of a demo, whatever you need. Jappa's got it. Shout out to Jappa. Shout out to you guys. Shout out to everyone listening as well. Guys, have a good week. Talk to you again on Thursday. Peace. Episode great. Thanks, everyone. 90 of the Real Life Podcast is over. Great job on making it through the entire hour of the Real Life Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.